630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, welcome to the weekend. Thanks for joining us on this Friday night. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can reach out. The number to both call and text is 780-496-0063. And as I'm sure you've heard, more cancellations in the Edmonton sports scene today. And that is the Edmonton Triathlon, uh, which was going to be the uh, grand final, the host of the grand final for the uh, World Triathlon Circuit from August 17th to 23rd this year. It has come off the calendar because of the global pandemic. Stephen Bordeaux is the general manager of the event. I talked to him earlier today. I mean, everything started for a lot of people about six weeks ago. And as things progress worse, we, we, I mean, over the weeks, we've seen the writing get clearer and clearer on the wall for us. Um, and yesterday, uh, the announcement from Dr. Hinshaw and then subsequently from the city of Edmonton following suit, uh, we got the word that, you know, there won't be a world triathlon this summer. We, we had high, high hopes and, you know, we we're very positive at the start of this journey six weeks ago. But, you know, as we've gotten week by week, we've seen the realities um, spread around the world and, and regionally. And we knew deep in our hearts that, you know, it was unlikely that we'd be able to have the event this summer. Yeah. So, I mean, just to clarify, even without Dr. Hinshaw's announcement yesterday, was was this a path you were, you were likely going down anyway? It was, yeah. You know, we, we took a real reality check about three weeks ago and realized that, you know, um, we were, this was not a path that we were, we were going to be able to pursue with having an event of that size in August. You know, just too much of a risk, too much of a risk to public safety, health, and, um, you know, as much as we'd love to have 8,000, 9,000 international visitors in our city um, and the impact from that, you know, putting our, our local public in that kind of risk, um, we knew it wasn't going to happen. What's the current status of the other uh, World Triathlon events? Uh, so we were the last man standing. Uh, so our event was the last one on the calendar still. Uh, so now the whole season has been uh, canceled. Uh, some events are hoping to reschedule into the fall. Those that you know are in Southern Hemisphere and climates that uh, they could look at an October-November event. But uh, all eight races have now been canceled off their original dates. Yeah, man, that that's tough. So you mentioned eight to nine thousand visitors, and what were we looking at in terms of athletes, volunteers involved, those kind of things? Yeah, it's the. I mean, the World Triathlon Championships. It's unique as it's it's the only Olympic sport that has all of its World Championships together. So it has the elites, the juniors, the development athletes, um, and all the masters athletes. So it'd be about four thousand athletes. Uh, and each athlete comes with at least one, you know, one and a half visitors, family members, support team with them. And, you know, an event this size, it's it's a week long. Uh, we're anticipating needing about 1,500 volunteers from the community. Uh, and we're hoping to get about a, 100,000 Edmontonians out surrounding the course over the four days of racing. Well, yeah, and it's become quite a staple on the calendar i think the first one was in in 99 i I believe there were three years where it wasn't held but this has become something people look forward to and something people expect to see yeah you know it's it's funny when i tell people this the history of triathlon in edmonton they usually sort of do a double take edmonton 
that seems like an odd place to have a triathlon. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been around since 1999. We're one of the longest running. I think we might be the longest running local organizing committee um, in the sport, uh, in the Olympic sport. And, I mean, this is our third time hosting this world championship or would have been our third time hosting the world championship. And, uh, you know, we've grown a, a strong community. And, I mean, we have some volunteers that have been around since 1999, from the very beginning. And uh, so, you know, we still, every Wednesday night, uh, we're having calls with our volunteers. We're having um, Zoom beers at 6 o'clock. And, you know, we'll regularly get 50, 60 people show up for those those uh, sort of social gatherings. So, you know, it is a family, and which makes it that much more disappointing and uh, a letdown. But we're trying to stay positive out of this and, and you know, look forward into the future and what opportunities might be there. One thing that... I've been hearing from some of the uh, events and, and teams that are, are affected by all this that there's a concern, well, if we don't have a 2020, can we come back the same way in 2021? I, I realize maybe this is a premature question, but I'll, I'll throw that to you now if there's any you know, concern about a longer-term fallout from not being able to stage the event this year. Yeah, yeah that's a really good question. Um, so, I mean... Our event, the grand final, uh, you know, it, it happens every year and local organizing committees and host cities essentially, you know, receive the rights for those events. And it's, it's a little bit different. I mean, this was a, a kind of a one-time thing, um, this World Championship event. Uh, 2021 Bermuda actually is scheduled to host the, the World Championships. And then after that, Abu Dhabi. And so there's lots of different stakeholders. It can't be just a clean, straight postponement. Um, bump everything out one year, uh, unfortunately. But you know, we we've been around for a long time, um, and we're we're kind of known as Canada's triathlon city. And uh, I know the team that's been working so hard over the past two and a half years, getting ready for this, would look at every opportunity we can um, to you know run some sort of an event uh, next year, some sort of world triathlon event to to be there when the community kind of comes out of this and. Um, and be available to, to host the world again. All right. So that is Stephen Bordeaux, the general manager of the World Triathlon Edmonton. The grand final was scheduled for Edmonton in August. It is off the calendar, and we're certainly getting used to these types of announcements in the sports world and in the uh, festival world, the activity world in general. Some other notes I can provide you about some other teams and events. I would expect the Edmonton Marathon to make an announcement next week. That is also in August the Edmonton Prospects play in the Western Canadian Baseball League. There is a league meeting on Wednesday. It is likely that entire season will be canceled at that point. I don't think they would postpone or delay. I think it sounds like they uh, are going to cancel. The Edmonton Huskies, the Edmonton Wildcats play in the Prairie Football Conference. They have already lost uh, some springtime activities because of the pandemic. And there's, they, they would have training camp usually late July, games middle of August. Now, they haven't formally decided anything yet because they have a little bit more lead-up time here, um, but they have some options on the table, which include maybe a full season, if they can get to it at that point. That seems unlikely. Maybe an abbreviated four- or six-game season starting in the fall, and and then, of course, maybe no season at all. But uh, the, the Prairie Football Conference, a little further away from the sounds of it from making a final decision. The Huskies and the Wildcats, remember this, would also be uh, affected if there were no CFL season as 
they get 50-50 money from the Edmonton Eskimos. They got about $225,000 each from Eskimos 50-50 last season. So if there's no CFL season or a shorter CFL season, that means less 50-50 money and uh, less money going to the junior football teams in Edmonton. So some other things to keep in mind here as we move along. 780-496-0063. We have Mark on the line. Mark, nice to hear from you. Go ahead, sir. Good evening, sir. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. How have you been? I've been doing just fine, thank you. <laughs> I just got to practice my social distancing again tonight, picking up stuff at the pet store. No, I was I was calling actually because I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I had the Edmonton Oilers conditional third round draft pick with Calgary, and I mean how people have been going over it and you know talking about how well I might have to be prorated and this and that and the other thing. Well. The issue that I have with uh, anybody that's talking about prorating it is uh, the the contract is uh, the conditions of the contract are, are what decide what happens with that. And if there is nothing in that contract stating that it would be prorated for 80 games, let's say for argument's sake he played 50 games, uh, considering that none of this had happened, the season hadn't been delayed or paused, he played 50 games, got injured. And uh, you could prorate him, and then he would get over, I believe it's 20 goals. Mm-hmm. Well, you would write that into the contract. So that would apply whether the season was canceled or not, or paused or whatnot. Well, the, that, that was not in the contract as far as I know. So you would just go by the letter of the contract. But let's just say for argument's sake that they were going to decide to prorate. Well, if they were going to decide to prorate, what are you going to do about all those trade deadline deals where uh, where it's subject to, uh, you know, the team making the playoffs, winning in the first round? I mean, what do you do? Do you nix all those tra- trade yeah. line deals and, yeah. and say they don't happen? I mean, if you play with one, you're going to have to play with everything. Yeah. Well, Ken Holland was asked about that a few weeks ago, and he said there's no condition for it being prorated. It's, it's a goal total. And... And I mean, look, we don't know if if and when they're going to finish the season and how many games they might play. But uh, assuming that the season is is shut down and he ends on 19 goals, I, I don't see how they could start doing prorating because then every player who has a bonus in his contract for getting to 60, 80 or 100 points is then going to have a case, right? <laughs> Oh, exactly. Say, I mean, you, uh, you can't just, even imagine the can yeah. of worms that 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 would open up. And I I heard that Ken Holland interview, and I actually thought it was pretty good. I was like, well, at least he's not you know farting around. I mean, I understand the spirit of the deal, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about the nuts and bolts of that contract, and the nuts and bolts were that he had to get to so many goals. So, uh, from that standpoint, I can't I can't see that really happening. Um, I did hear uh, Elliot Friedman today on Bob's show uh, talking about specifically the ones that had um, um, uh, trades where uh, conditional draft picks were based on how that team did in the playoffs. And he was talking about, well, maybe they'll have to move that to, you know, if if the season was cancelled and there was no playoffs, if and if, uh, they would have to move that to next season to you know to uh you know to make that work i I thought that was kind of interesting but i i don't know i get kind of tired of it because uh i mean i'm sure you're you're well aware of the chiarelli signing with edmonton and i believe we lost two second round draft picks 
for picking up. Uh, I think he was. Boston, I think he was, was still under contract. Yeah, I think it was one pick wound up going to Boston. Did did um, did San Jose get one for Todd too? I can't remember, I but but Boston I, definitely I got one for sure. Yeah. Maybe that was maybe that was the other one. I I can't remember. Maybe that was it. And that one was so ludicrous because, like, the man was fired. Even though he was under contract, he was fired. He was a third. And and where I'm coming with that is how the league went out of their way when the the Kovalchuk contract was signed with uh, with the New Jersey Devils about how they were going to get rid of their first-round draft pick. That was gone. And then they went out of their way to walk that one back and allowed them to draft. Like, I don't know if you remember that yeah, one. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah, that's know, right. That's Didn't really they create a conditional me. pick for that? Pardon? For, for the Kovalchuk thing, didn't they create a conditional pick for that? I don't know how they got around it. All I know is is they got to make the selection. And the whole deal was that they were supposed to get punished for that back-diving contract. And that was a club that did something that was, albeit, I guess, legal at the time, but they knew full well that was getting getting drummed out of the CBA. They went ahead and made it, and then they were going to get punished as a result of it. And here Edmonton goes, gets a general manager that, again, isn't even working for the club, and all of a sudden they pay with the draft pick, and you're looking at it, and you're like, you know, I, I'm going out on a limb here, but I, I'm tired of apologizing for, for Edmonton <laughs> receiving Connor McDavid in the in the draft lottery sweepstakes. I mean, I get tired of it. It's, it's the same as when he's on the ice, and, and quite honestly, he's better than everybody else on the ice. And, you know, he gets hooked, held, grabbed, you know, tripped, this, that, and the other thing. And I guess the, 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 the officials, you know, they see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, and no call is made. And then the second, uh, you know, he touches somebody or another oiler touches somebody, oh, up goes the arm. And, you know, you just get tired of that kind of baloney. You know, I'm sorry I'm railing on. but No, well, it's uh, nice know. to hear from you, Mark. We haven't got a lot of calls lately, so I feel like we have a little bit of a, uh, a nice time to reconnect here. Hey, I'll tell you what, though. I, thanks for calling. Uh, good, good points about the Neil contract. Uh, but please keep in touch, okay? It's nice to hear I from you. I absolutely will, Reed. Thanks for taking my call tonight. Have a great weekend. Okay. Uh, 7.20, good to hear from Mark. We had to call a quick timeout inside sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, man. I, I really do appreciate the people who tune in, want to interact, give me a text, give me a call like Mark just did. It is uh, it is cool to remain connected. I hope the show is uh, what you need and something you enjoy as we go through this. And, and I got to say a special hello to somebody today, and her name is Florence. And, you know, Florence is, is missing the Edmonton Oilers. She's a big Oilers fan. And, uh, you know, she likes Connor McDavid, obviously, and she was enjoying watching the team this season. And uh, Florence tunes into Inside Sports pretty often, I've been told. And this is a pretty special day for Florence because it is Florence's 84th birthday. And I got to wish a big happy birthday to Florence. 
who uh, I, I got a, I got a note from uh, someone special in her life that that Florence has been listening a lot lately. And Florence, I want to let you know I do appreciate it. I hope you're in the process of having a great birthday, and I hope on your 85th birthday we are talking about some Oilers playoff games one year from now. Sound like a deal? Happy birthday to you, Florence. Thank you so much for being an Inside Sports listener and for checking us out on 630 Chat. I am honored that you tune in, and I hope you're um, part of your birthday as well. 780-496-0063. You can email insidesports at 630ched.com. So the uh, triathlon is uh, is done, as I mentioned. The Edmonton Prospects, uh, a league meeting for them, the Western Canadian Baseball League, up, coming up on Wednesday. I, I would expect that that season would be canceled. I don't think they would... Uh, fool around with a delay or a postponement and uh, I expect some sort of announcement about the Edmonton Marathon next week which is scheduled for uh, August as well something I have taken part in uh, every year since 2010 so a good chance that that streak could end as well it has been nice to get out and run a little bit for me this week Uh, I am a bit of a fair weather well not a bit I am a fair weather runner (laughs) when <laughs> it was still a little chilly and there was still snow and ice on the on the ground i didn't go out if the if the commonwealth rec center had been open i, I would have been going to that but uh, back running for a few days now and it feels good helps the body and does help the mind a little bit of exercise is isn't bad so i encourage you you know if you're not a runner or whatever but you want to get out there and walk or move around a little bit does help to clear the brain if you're uh, if you're able to do that for sure brad trey living the uh, general manager of the calgary flames held a conference call today. He talked a little bit about uh, the restart, uh, a potential restart in the NHL. And he, you know, kind of confirmed some of the things Gary Bettman has said, might be looking at four sites and, you know, you might have some sort of a training camp to get the athletes back into shape and see if they can be up and running. But that is still obviously a big, if, uh, you know, Calgary has obviously put the kibosh on any large gatherings through the summer, the, uh, Chief Medical Officer of Alberta, Dina Hinshaw, making those comments as well. So any sort of return to pro sports would be without fans. Hinshaw was asked generally about it today, and you know she kind of gave the general have-to-wait-and-see type answers. And it would be on the NHL if they were going to pick Edmonton as a spot for games to fit to the, the NHL would have to be the ones to to fit the bill here to to do what the province and the medical people want. So you got to keep that in mind. Oh my goodness! Friday with Bob Stoffer next on Insights. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063 is the number to text. Uh, Cowtown Bob texting in. He says, Reed, I had to adjust my schedule to catch up with you at 7 p.m. As far as sports go, I enjoy your guests like Odell Willis and Ron Hextall last night. Hang in there. Hope I can get up to Edmonton this summer to see my Eskimos. Take care. That is Cowtown Bob, who is a... an Eskimos fan, despite being in Cowtown. We are seven to eight for the time being. Global News Television, uh, Global News Hour from the television is on from six to seven here on 630 Chad. But Inside Sports still with you, seven to eight. Yakashev, who's a very humorous texter, says, Hello, Reed. 
I am somewhat perplexed <laughs> that you haven't issued a statement or guidance as to the future of the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Is there any truth to the rumor that they will be isolating to an island in Sylvan Lake? And as businessman manager, has Kellen taken a reduction in salary? I think future investors would view that move as a positive. Well, Kellen, with this, the, uh, the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling has not gone into hiatus because we never actually started competition. Yes, so right now right. it's right now it's business as usual, which was mm-hmm. very little business. We will get to Bob Stoffer here in about a minute, but quickly, uh, Brad Trailiving, the general manager of the Calgary Flames, on a conference call today, commenting on a potential restart to the NHL. I can tell you the league is still committed and eager to get back when the time is right, um, and that's that's the most important thing when the t- time is right. So you've seen you've seen reports about potentially you know, getting, getting, getting four arenas and getting the league sort of back completed at those four sites. That's certainly a, a, a plan that's gaining some momentum. Um, it's certainly not, it's certainly not uh, done by any stretch of the imagination. I've been asked a lot, my opinions on, you know, do we, when we come back, do you want to see regular season? Do you want to see it go right into the playoffs? Um, I, I think we're going to be, I think everything is going to be dictated by the calendar. You know, I think, uh, when, when we do get the green light, um, I think we're going to have to look and say, okay, how much time do we have left to get, to get a season completed to whatever degree we can get it completed before a playoff. Um, but I really do think it's important to recognize, you know, a training camp and some lead time is going to be needed, you know, we're, we're, we're going on, uh, we're going to be approaching two months here. And in a lot of cases, players nowadays, even, even after the season, don't take this much time off, you know, anytime, you know, and, and you talk about, you talk about training, you know, even their regular training has been, been different and, and unique. So I certainly think whenever it is, we do get the green light, you know, we, we have to look after the players and make sure that they have enough time to properly prepare. We're not putting them, you know, we're not putting them in a, um, in a vulnerable position. So that's, that's certainly that's coming. Okay. A little bit there from Brad Trey living, the general manager of the Calgary flames. He was on a conference call today as we bring in the host of the excellent program noon to two every day on six thirty. Chad from Oilers. Now it is uh, Bob Stoffer. Bob, I, I was just thinking that you and I have not seen each other since I think the 13th of March. That's a, that's a crazy. I don't know if since we started working together, about nine years, well, I mean, we knew each other before, but nine years ago, I don't know if we've ever gone this long without actually seeing each other. It makes me a little sad, buddy. Well, you brought up Sylvan Lake, first of all, Reed, and uh, I had one of the greatest days of my life in 1987 in Sylvan Lake, and that's because I did not have a comic book selection for uh, 15 years. So let's just leave it at that. You can figure out what I'm saying there. Um, uh, yeah, this it has been a while. Uh, I miss you, man. We all want to get back to normal. Obviously, uh, it's uh, it goes without saying, and uh, and I know you occasionally hear segments of uh, our show, and you know I've got about five new links. It's funny I went from having a link on the uh, actually you were the one that got me got me sort of hooked on it, which was the the playoff percentage uh, site. What was that? The sports 
the statters up oh sportsclubstats.com yeah yeah you got me hooked on that one so for basically from february 15th until march 11th that was on my bookmarks and really since march the 12th uh, you know first world of meters uh went up there and then you know alberta health went up there a couple days later and, and then the global news and i'll be honest with you because i'm an honest guy ctv news websites and they've done a great job and and I'm sitting there running all these different numbers, and you know it's 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 an interesting time. Uh, when it comes to what I, I miss you, I hope we get back to some form of normalcy. Uh, I don't know if we're going to play. Um, I understand the people out there that say no, absolutely not, no way. But I also understand the perspective of people saying, hell yeah, that you know let's see where we're at here in another month. You know things at Edmonton relative to uh, Edmonton right now amongst the 31 NHL cities is the second least hit uh, market in the National Hockey League for COVID-19 and the pandemic. And Alberta, as you know, uh, as of today, Alberta has tested, you know, I mean, Alberta is a smaller province than BC. BC's got 700,000 more citizens. Alberta has tested 51,000 more uh, citizens than the province of BC, almost two to one. So kudos to Alberta for having a solid pandemic approach, which requires a lot of testing and testing moving forward. If we do indeed get the chance, will be a critical part of it, Reed. And we're going to have to have uh, technology that allows us to do uh, to, to turn things around very quickly with testing. So I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm glad the league's looking at options. Uh, successful businesses are going to have to be creative during this time and not just cash it in and throw their hands up in the air and say, we're screwed, I give up. Yeah. I think most of the listeners to your show right now are not I give up type of people. But I actually do think there's a very small segment of the population that's not that disappointed that, you know, we're not that we're dealing with the sickness and the illness of a pandemic necessarily, but, you know, they don't mind that things have changed a little bit in terms of lifestyle. Okay. No one's happy with the pandemic, but there's, there, there's, I think there's a small segment of the, the, the population, maybe, you know, that just kind of, they're not super assertive to get back out there and get back after it, so, which is, frankly, that is their prerogative. So this is going to be an interesting time moving forward. I have no idea if it's going to come to fruition or not. It's interesting to see a couple of, of the high-profile guys from TSN uh, in terms of Craig Button, uh, you know, seeing seven, and Jeff O'Neill. Both saying 75-25, they thought we were going to have a resolution to the season. And a lot can change over the next couple months, but there's going to have to be a lot of hard miles in between now and them. And well, there's people doing some great job, right? It's it's just it's just a massive if. And, and you and I get asked all the time, when's hockey going to come back? I mean, that is... That is a mind-boggling question to try to answer, and I'm, and I'm not this. You know what, Bob? When you're when you're a sports radio host, people want your predictions all the time. I'm not even comfortable throwing yeah. out an exact date because things could change so quickly. And, and unfortunately, we saw it at a couple places in southern Alberta, so we know how dicey it can be and, and how quickly an outbreak can happen. So that's Edmonton's, why Edmonton's been lucky so far, Reed. Let's face it. Yeah, and I and I hope it stays that way. Abs- absolutely, and and we should touch on it a little bit. We both talked about it on our shows, but the proximity of Rogers Place to some key facilities and locations is is another. It's not just the testing numbers; it's where the rink is and what's around it that makes it a, a candidate for the it's NHL. A, it's a two-parter, right? Number one, how 
seriously afflicted is the market that the event would be held in. And number two, how much self-sustainability exists uh, with the building. And Edmonton's got right now the best combination of both. So we benefited from the fact that we didn't have as many maybe international flights initially. We've seen the province, like the, the numbers for Edmonton, have, it, it, there's been over 35,000 tests in Edmonton. That's a lot. Like, BC as a province is only at 70,000 people. You know, they got 5 million people living in BC. So, you know, Edmonton's got half that many tests, and we don't have one-fifth of a population. So that tells you how proactive uh, uh, things have been done here from testing, and testing's important. But new type of testing needs to get pushed through that would allow us to do immediate tests and get back, uh, you know, with a high probability whether or not somebody is infected with COVID. So, and and it, so far, you know, it's it's not perfect, but it's better than other places. That said, there's a lot, you know, as you mentioned, we could have one or two bad outbreaks in a hurry. I'm telling you right now, Reed, on a, on a smaller scale, I worked in a camp in, in 1997 in, in Anaheim Lake where Carrie Price is from. And right, 38, yeah. 38 out of 46 people in our camp got sick for three or more days. And, oh, wow. And, and, I mean, we were down to eight healthy bodies. And we were, those were 20 to 30-year-old people. And, and that was a lost, bad flu? And that was an awful, an awful virus ran through oh, our camp. Oh, man. And it just, like, I lost 20 to 25 pounds in a span of four days. And so, oh. but I was, we were all young enough at that age that I don't think it had any long-lasting effects on anybody, but it, so it can happen, and it, and it you know, it's, and I get it, I get, I understand the, the perspective of the, you know, some of the people out there, no way, there's no chance, we, like, we have people that sit there and text our shows, read and say, we can't have NHL until there's going to be a vaccine, and I'm like, I don't know if that's possible, I mean, we don't have a, do we have a vaccine yet for SARS? Uh, no, but you, it's you got to be careful comparing one to the other, Bob, because I mean they're all different, right, and react differently, and and could go away or not go away differently. But I think I, I do think empty stadiums or extreme social distancing for fans is a, is a way you could bring it back. One of the challenges this calendar gonna, year. One of the challenges they're going to have in the U.S. Can, Canadians tend to be quite compliant, and I think that given the nature of I mean, Americans, this is a thing that's discussed with a guy named Eric uh, Weinstein, who's one of the best uh, and most intelligent people, a Harvard-educated guy, and he's on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast. And, you know, Americans, one of the things that they've really exported is freedom. They take their freedom seriously. A lot of people think they take their freedom too far. And if you take a look at the history of the CIA, they've abused that privilege in an effort to, you know, dissuade countries from having, uh, you know, throughout the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. It's a whole other conversation. But the point is, in the States, I think I think you could push it longer in Canada, this sort of control, than you could in the United States. I really, And I bet you most of the listeners to the show right now would agree with me. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how long this lasts in the U.S. Hey, Reed, can we have some fun for like five minutes? Well, I was just going to say that. we got to talk about something else because Rob just wrote in, thanks for the life stress release you and Stoffer give us. Very tough time. We have enough uh, COVID news the other 21 hours a day. Of course, it is affecting sports. I covered the triathlon yeah. uh, earlier. Okay, let's do some uh, quick hitters because we, we already used up a lot of time. Um, best... I know you've been discussing this a little bit on your show off and on. Best Oilers team ever. 87. 86-87 Oilers. Well, 
No, you always say it's boring radio when people agree. I, I mean, I can't go anywhere else than that either. Ken Nielsen and, on the second line. You know, uh, it's just they they face, they face the Flyers. Hextall didn't give up the goals that knocked Philly out of games. And Philly, you know what, Philly battled hard. And, and Hextall gave them a puncher's chance. And they rallied from three two-goal deficits. Otherwise, the owners were 12-2 and two through the first three rounds of the playoffs that year. You know, Rod Salanen came in for one of his two stints. The other one was in 1990. Uh, Paul Coffey was, he had all six Hall of Famers still at the team at the time. Uh, you still had Fuhrer and Mogan goal. I mean, those were two elite goaltenders. For me, it's the 1987 team over the 85 team because the 85 Flyers didn't get the goaltending. So uh, yeah. I would say, uh, now, here's a curve. Though the 86 team scored the lights out, but they lost in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, and they, I mean, they didn't, they didn't win the cup. There's five teams better. It's kind of like the U of A Golden Bears, right? How many national championships do they have right now? Uh, think, what are they at, 15 now? 15 or 16 national teams. That's bad. I, I kind of should know that. Uh, uh, the elusive 11th has arrived, and that was 2005. So 12 and 06, uh, 13 and 08. Uh, Wasn't it 15, 14 and 14 and then 15 and 15? Yeah, so they're at 16. 16 championships. So oh, right. Yes, you're right, because they won the one under uh, Surge. Yeah. Surge, yeah. So, there, you know, there's a program that's won 16 championships. So their 16 best teams all were in those championship years. But I'm here to tell you, a couple of those years, they actually had better teams. They just didn't win it. And, and that's a single-game knockout, so it's a little tougher to do. Reed, I'm quite concerned, just as an FYI, about the challenges. Like, I, you know, you had Reed, uh, Ian Reed on. I had a real good conversation with him. Uh, on the air is really intriguing stuff and and i'm i'm like we're gonna see such a significant change in sport moving forward and people will say well why don't you guys ever talk about minor sport and you know uh, unfortunately minor sport doesn't draw quite the same I, I, we'd love to do show i know you'd love to do a show once a week on the u of a every week for two hours it's not doable. It's not feasible. The interest is there in the Oilers, but there is going to be collateral damage as a result of this as well. So I just hope we find a way to work our way through things and uh, look for uh, better results long term. I'm just going to throw this out for you, Bob, before I move on to a couple other topics. Could be one junior team in football after this because the Huskies and the Wildcats aren't going to get the 50-50 money they usually get from the Eskimos. There should this have year. only been one. There should have only been one junior team in Edmonton for the last twenty-five well, years. You might get. You might get your wish. I mean, that could be a, a fallout from this in the next year or two. Interesting. Uh, Carter O'Donnell might get drafted tomorrow out of the U of A. I believe Bob. Now you, I'm throwing this out there. I'm walking on the high wire here with the guy who was SID. I believe the only other Golden Bear football player to be drafted into the NFL was Brian Fryer in 1976. And that would be correct. By the Washington Redskins? I think so. That's the only one I could find in my extensive research. Yeah, no, it would, uh, you know, and Brian was, an, uh, like, what was crazy about Brian is he got, he suffered a couple significant knee injuries because he, like, he was the 100-meter champion in the Canada West for a number of years, and he could absolutely fly. And by the time he came back to the CFL and they lined him up as a slot, he, he was kind of robbed of that breakaway speed that he had. But if he doesn't suffer those knee injuries, like, he had comparable NFL speed. That's how fast he was. I mean, he was he was a Canadian sprint guy, and the, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, what's-his-face that's playing at Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard. 
you know, he he could have focused on track and yeah. been a le- legitimate option for the Canadian track team and instead chose football. Okay, quiz for Stoffer. Man, we didn't even get to everything we wanted to. I guess you're on again next week if if, if there's time. I really have an hour now, Bob, so sometimes it's a little rushed. <laughs> okay, quiz for Stoffer. The category is Oakland. Oakland. Have you been to Oakland? No. One day you'll have to get Jack to tell a story about when we landed in Oakland. He had our bus laughing all the way from Oakland. Because when you fly to San Jose, they have a noise ban, so you can't fly in at night. Uh, and so what ends up happening is you have to fly into Oakland, and it's about a 40-minute drive. And Jack had our f- whole, whole media bus in, uh, on the go. Well, he, has, he, he often gets people going one way or the other. Who was the first head coach of the California-slash-Oakland Golden Seals? Oh, man, you know, Halsey did the play-by-play that year. Uh, 67-68, was that? Was Bud Poyle a GM? Uh, oh, I lost the page now. No, I don't think he was. Uh, Earl Ingerfield? The first head coach was Olmstead, Bob. Bert Olmstead. Oh, uh, yeah. He was a, t- by the way, he was tough. People don't know this. He was a big, he was like 6'2", and he could play. I mean, he obviously was, you know, had a terrific career at the Canadians, but, and the, the Leafs, but he, he was a big, big SOB back then. Oh, they had a 148 points percentage in 64 games under Burt. They had, they had some struggles there. Did you check? You, the, who was their first GM? Oh, hang on. I got to go back to the other page. For some reason, I thought it was Bud Poyle. I'll do this on the fly here. Uh, Randy uh, Pilus. Did I say that right? Pillis. Pillis, okay. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Randy or Rudy? Cause Rudy Sorry, coached, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Yeah, Rudy yeah. Pillis coached the Chicago Blackhawks. But he was fired team. before the start of the season, and then Olmstead was coach GM. Can you, can you just type up Bud Poyle right now? Uh, I don't know if he was ever the GM there, Bob. Well, I thought for some reason he was connected to Halsey. So just type uh, type up Bud Poyle and see where he was a GM. Wow, that's a, for some reason I thought it was in Oakland. Flyers. Thought, he, he he started with the Flyers. Oh, he did. Okay. He was the Flyers. Uh, he was San Francisco Seals before that was uh, an NHL team. Uh, they were in the okay, old. They, they were in the old WHL. Okay. Because you know you know David Poyle lived in Edmonton for ten. Yes, years, of right? course. Yeah. Sure. Okay, the other one's, uh, don't worry, the other one's not golf, it's baseball, but I think you're going to like this one. The Oakland A's had three straight Rookie of the Years from 86 to 88. Who are the oh, three man. players? Two 80. of them are easy. All right. 86 so, to 88. All right. Don't so have to have the right year. Canseco and Maguire were two of them, right? 86 and 87. Yeah. So 88's the fun one. 88's the fun one. Was it a pitcher? It was a light-hitting shortstop. In 88. Oh, man. I'm Walt You're going to love this. Okay, just listen to this, Bob. In 1986, Conseco was Rookie of the Year, 33 home runs. 87, Maguire's Rookie of the Year, 49 home runs. The 88 Rookie of the Year in the American League with three home runs and a 250 batting average, Walt Weiss. Did I not say Walt Weiss? I think I said. Well, Walt did Weiss. you say him off the top? Okay. Well, you got uh, all three. No, no. Of them. I think I said. No, I think I said Walt Weiss after. I said Walt Weiss. So it was Walt I, Weiss. Yeah. There you go. I, didn't, I thought you were going to ask me stuff from the '60s about Jackson and Joe Rudy and uh, the oh, trade that the trade that the Major League Baseball canceled in the mid '70s to the Red Sox from the A's. 
We'll do that next time, Bob. We're man, this was fun, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll we'll have you on again, man. I love being on the air with well, you. Again. Well, well, th- well, thanks for having me on. Rick. Take care, man. That is Bob Stoffer, Inside Sports on Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Hope we brought something good into your life this evening. We'll be back on Monday at 7. Big thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. You can get more on the triathlon cancellation and what other things could be coming up on 630Ched.com. Thanks to Bob Stoffer for joining us. Big thanks to you for listening. Take care. Friday. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.